Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I guess you could go Taylor Swift, November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, 2024. You know, at my... At Stadium with that. Or you could go... You know my copyrighted line, don't you, Kevin? That's a uh, Jonathan Taylor reference, be right, your Mark? first chance to see a Taylor at Lucas Oil Stadium in November next year, right? Boom. Yeah, a couple of tie-ins right there. Um, Michael Pittman yesterday met the media. First time Pittman has chatted since uh, report day, so that would have been last Tuesday. For the most part, and I would say honestly, probably every answer Pittman has given related to his contract situation, which for those unfamiliar, it's the same exact timeline as Taylor. They both were taken in the second round in 2020, so they both have four-year deals, uh, both going into that final year of their contract. Pittman has been very much in taking whatever the high road. You know, I'm I'm not worried about it. I'll get paid when I get paid. Those sorts of answers. Um, yesterday, I found it a little bit more relevant to ask him kind of a similar question again because obviously the Taylor situation has played out majorly over the last nine days since we last spoke. Uh, Mark, will you queue up? This is Michael Pittman. The first question on if he expects to play without a contract extension this year and then the follow-up on if he would like one? I mean, do I expect it? I mean, like, I don't really expect nothing, really. I mean, I mean, if it happens, it happens. So, and if it doesn't happen, then, yeah, like, I would play it out without an extension. Certainly the right thing to say at this point, right? And then the follow-up on, on if he would like one. I mean, like, I think, I mean, like, I think every player, like, wants to get paid. Like, I wouldn't mind one. <laughs> Michael Pittman with a little crack of a smile there after the final comment. Um, I think he was a little confused by – I actually asked him that that first question. I didn't necessarily – maybe I should have worded the question better. I didn't ask it with the thought of, like, would he hold out? <laughs> you know, I, I No, I mean, there's no way Michael Pittman would hold out. Um, but, Jake, I tweeted out those quotes. I was a little surprised – by the magnitude in which those quotes blew up and basically the common tone was, that's how you handle it. Jonathan Taylor isn't handling it anywhere near that. I've completely changed my tune, and let me tell you where I was wrong regarding Jonathan Taylor. I reserve the right to change my tune back again because these things are fluid. However, in the beginning, I remember saying, I'm like, look, in the end, I'll bet Jonathan Taylor, they end up coming with some agreement, and he ends up playing and having a decent statistical year, and we'll look back and be like, oh, yeah, we forgot about that. That That's what I said, like, probably a week ago, Kevin. Um, I, I, I think we're past that. And I think the interesting thing is, as we talked about yesterday a little bit, on the Taylor side, the interesting thing, dilemma for the Colts you have an owner that has adamantly stated that he will absolutely not be traded and you have a general manager who now at this point it's in his best interest to trade Jonathan Taylor and then you have a receiver that is saying all the right things but becomes a weird ingredient in all of it because if all of a sudden now he gets an extension that literally dumps a thousand gallons of gas onto the fire for Jonathan Taylor, right? Well, you know, Michael Pittman says those things, and why does he say them, Jake? 
because he's got the security and Jonathan Taylor doesn't. Correct. Michael Pittman will get paid whether it's here, whether it's in Jacksonville, whether it's in L.A., where if they have a franchise in London, Michael Pittman is going to get paid. And even if they just slap the franchise tag on Pittman, you know the difference in franchise tag money from my, from wide receiver to running back? Yeah, I mean. The franchise tag next year for a wide out, or excuse me, let's start running back. For a running back, it's projected at $13 million. So that's, a, yeah, obviously that's a pretty nice payday. $13 million, which is an uptick from, I think it's 10.9 this season. The franchise tag for a wide receiver, $22.9 million. I mean, Pittman's got to know, number one. Yeah, that's, that's a the thing. 10, Michael Pittman, just with the franchise tag, which players hate, the franchise tag, Michael Pittman would earn $10 million more than Jonathan Taylor if both of them, obviously they both can't get the franchise tag, but if both of them got it next year. The, they just have totally different job security. Yeah. They're in two different just atmospheres on how the NFL views their respective positions. Because, Jake, it's not like you can argue. I mean, Jonathan Taylor has easily been the better player through the first three years of their respective careers. If you were basing this strictly off of paying what they've done, you would obviously pay Taylor much more handsomely than you would Pittman. But given the positions they play... Of course Michael Pittman is going to take the higher road. Of course he's going to feel better about this. Taylor's the one that, again, I think understandably feels a bit slighted based off the past precedent of this franchise. I, I think Taylor should feel slighted based on the position he plays. I mean, just in general, the position, right? I mean, receiver is a more prioritized position, and in particular, anybody should know that when – I mean, when you are – running with a brand new quarterback you've got to know that the receiver is the most important position period right another thing i was thinking about with taylor yesterday jake was this two years ago jonathan taylor had the greatest running back season in the 70 year history of the colts jake you know this better than anyone colts have had some pretty good running backs yeah in the history of their franchise what four hall of famers and Edrin and Falk and Dickerson and going back to Lenny Moore. Yeah. So you're talking about a franchise with four Hall of Famers at the running back position. And in a day when running backs are devalued, Jonathan Taylor had the best season just two years ago, the best season in the 70 year history of your franchise. He's 24 years old. He's never torn his ACL. He's never torn his Achilles. Last year, he missed six games. It was the first time. He's missed games in 10 years of playing football. I think Chris Boward would admit this, and I know the last week paints a different picture of this, but he works and he checks everything that you want off the field, and now we're here. Like, to me, I I, I bring all of that up just to say how stunning it is, and I can imagine how stunning it is for Taylor in that, like, wow, now we've gotten here to where – Obviously, he's extremely unhappy. The Colts have offered no indication that they want him to be here for the future. Uh, boy, it, it is um, it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy to me. When you think, and again, so much of this is rooted in the position he plays. There's probably a little bit of a health element to it. But, you know, again, Taylor can point to guys that obviously they've paid coming off injuries. Uh, it's just shocking to me. Uh, it is, I mean... What do I always say? We, we, we think we know guys. I don't think Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor's a bad guy, but I think I could see his frustration. I, I understand both sides of it. 
the, the guy that in all of the in the whole thing, Kevin, the guy that is literally, I think, stuck between a rock and a hard place is Chris Ballard. Because don't you think Chris Ballard, when he hears Ursay like, "There's no way we're going to trade this guy," don't you think Ballard's thinking to himself like, hey, "Calm down, though." I, I, you know what I mean. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't make calls and feel right. Calls. Don't think Chris Ballard's like, "Can I just have a normal season, just one time, yeah. just one?" Please. Which again, some of it his own doing, to be fair, but correct. The owner interjecting as much as he has probably isn't helping the situation. I did find the Reggie Wayne comments in regards to Michael Pittman earlier in the week with us pretty enlightening. You know, I. I asked Reggie the question of like, okay, what trait of a wideout in your current wide receiver room would you want in your own game? And obviously Reggie's a Hall of Famer, so it's not like he needed much. But when he talked specifically about Pittman, he just gushed about the work ethic of Pittman and how he's wired. And Jake, you have interviewed umpteenth coaches in your career. You don't typically hear coaches offer like – a heap of public praise for work ethic. Because I feel like that's one where, like, if it gets to that guy's head, then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I am a good worker. Right, yeah, yeah you right. know, coach, yeah. yeah. You know, well, I got and, them and, like, fooled, right? For, for Reggie to say that, I think resonates, at least for me, because I think Reggie worked like, like no other as well. Um, and as I've said for the past week or so in relation to Pittman, I would be doing everything I can if I'm the Colts to extend him, to get him under contract moving forward, because you've got to make sure that at least there is something in that cupboard. And I know people are going to be irate when they see the contract that Michael Pittman gets based off the production he's had in the last three years. I'd argue it's been pretty awful quarterback play he's had to deal with. But you just, again, you cannot skimp. You cannot take shortcuts with Anthony Richardson. And if you're going to let Taylor walk, you can't let Pittman walk too. By the way, in college, you mentioned those running backs that have played for the Colts. Number of carries in college before they got to the NFL. Marshall Falk, 766 carries in college. Eric Dickerson, 790 carries in college. Edron James, 497 carries in college. Oh, Taylor's got to be close to, what, 900? Jonathan Taylor, 926. Yeah. In in three years, right? And you wonder, yeah, you wonder if that doesn't also weigh into their thought process of when does the breakdown begin? Because it happens to all of them. It happened with the Colts with Eric Dickerson before their very eyes. It did not with, obviously, uh, Marshall Falk. And Edron James, uh, that was more probably a salary deal. Yeah, I've always I, – I know we got to get to Rake, but I've always been torn on the on the debate with Taylor of could he be different than the other running backs. Uh, understood. You know, he, he is a guy that is so in tune with his body. There are exceptions he, he, to every rule, Kevin, but life typically is based sure. upon living by the rule and not the exception. Yeah, that's totally fair, and obviously I think that's where the Colts are coming from.